You know, I, uh, I have had some friendships in my life that were not all that healthy. Um, they were not leading me toward a deeper relationship with God. They were not leading me to be more Christ-like. I, and, and some of those friendships, I, I chose those friendships, and I knew that those friendships were leading me away from following Jesus closely. And so those are so clearly toxic, those relationships um, and those friendships. And, and that's not really what we're talking about in this series, those that are clearly toxic. And we know I really shouldn't be there. I shouldn't be in that friendship. This series is more about those friendships that everyone else might look at us and they might say, wow, Harley, I, I really would like a friendship like that that I see in your life there. It, it's friendships that our culture around us, they would declare, hey, th that, th that is a great hunting buddy relationship or that is a great BFF relationship. That is a great ride or die relationship. But perhaps that relationship might be slowly over the course of time, just little by little by little, becoming toxic to us and toxic to that friend. And, well, we usually never see it coming. It happens so gradually. And ultimately, that kind of friendship becomes toxic to our relationship with God. But here's the thing. There is hope. If we are willing, through the course of this series, to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with God, and honest with this dear friend of ours, then this friendship, it can become healthy again. But first, we really have to look closely, and we have to see if in this relationship, do we see any evidence of any toxins that are present in the relationship. I mean, and, and not only that, but I mean, it, there's a lot of truth in what you say because a toxic friendship, and even that word, when we use that word toxic, it almost, there's a little tension there. There can be a little tension there when we use that friendship, when we're talking about a good friendship, when we talk, say toxic, but a toxic friendship like what Harley is trying to describe or is describing, it often takes the place of Jesus. You know, it, it often very slowly over the course of time, that friendship kind of fills that space that should be filled by a relationship with Jesus. And um, this very subtle type of toxic relationship, it often happens between two or three people who are really and truly in the course and in the process of following Jesus. I mean, so again, we're not talking about bad relationships. We're not talking about bad friendships. And we're, we're using the term friendship a lot, but really just relationship, any relationship. It doesn't have to be a friend relationship. This could be a, a parent relationship or a child relationship or a brother-sister. Any relationship um, that, we're, you know, it's kind of taking the place of the relationship we should have with Jesus. And, and when we're in need, man, you can call that person. You can, you can text that person. Uh, and, and you know that that person is going to be there. And right now, you're thinking of that person. Right now, that person is in your mind as we are speaking. And you can call them. You can text them. And, man, they're going to be there. They're going to, uh, they're going to be there to be able to connect with them. And, and so what we're going to ask you to do this morning, and, again, there's going to be a little bit of tension in this. You're going to feel some tension. 
But what we're going to ask this morning is that person that you're thinking of that you go to when things begin to get a little bit hairy, that that person that comes to your mind when things begin to go wrong, that we know we can turn to first, we can run to first, um, but what invariably happens every single time, maybe not every time, but often, what invariably happens is that relationship, that person, they're going to let us down. I'm going to let you down, newsflash. You're going to let me down. Uh, it, they're going to let us down. And when they let us down, we look for subtle ways to punish them. We put up walls, and right now, man, it's easy to put walls up and put distance up. It's, a, it's easy to do that. Um, the truth is that your BFF, and I can't believe you actually wanted me to say BFF. Yes, oh, BFF. Oh, gosh, that's just a terrible phrase. BFF. But your BFF, your best, it stands for best friend forever, right? Mm -hmm. Your best friend forever, you know, your ride or die or maybe in more Arkansas terminology, your hunting buddy, if you're a guy, right? Your hunting or fishing buddy, they're going to let you down. They're going to let you down. It's going to happen. And when we react in our minds and then in our behavior by trying to punish that person for letting us down, that is a very sure sign of something very significant that is happening in our life and in that relationship, and it's this. Instead of letting these friendships that we have, these good, healthy relationships that we have, instead of them pointing us to Jesus, we are letting those relationships instead replace Jesus. And I know as we're talking about this, it sounds like we're kind of anti-friendship, that this series is kind of downing close friendship, but no, not at all. Friendship does matter, and it is very important. I mean, just look at all those friend scenarios that we see in God's Word. The Bible has many, many, many examples of deep, powerful, good friendships. And some of us, though, might be hearing this, and we might be thinking something else. We might be saying, yeah, 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 Harley, I agree. You can't trust anyone. <laughs> They're all a bunch of losers. You can't <laughs> trust them. And you might say, that's why I keep my distance I don't need them. I am doing okay without friends. But you know, just because we can do life um, on our own doesn't mean we should. You see, we make an individual decision to follow Jesus. We make that decision individually. But it is not an individual assignment Paul says to us numerous times in the New Covenant that we are called, yes, one by one to follow Jesus, but we are called to follow Jesus together. Here's one of those places. He talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. McKinley has it here on the screen for us. It says, all of you together. And when he says you there, it's, he's, that is not the singular you. Hey, you, Cole. No, that is the encompassing you. All of you together are Christ's body. Each one of you is a part of it. That's what Paul says. And it's, it's, it almost sounds like we are fighting against ourselves and what we're talking about because we start this, this morning with 
the good relationships that we have and, and how they can be toxic. And then in the very same almost segment, we come back and we talk about how important yeah. relationships are <laughs> and how we were built in our DNA to have yes. those relationships. But they're both true. Right. Both of those statements can be true. There, there's not one example in the Bible of a Christ follower who was called to follow Jesus by himself. You, it's, it's, it's not there. You cannot find anywhere in the New Covenant where a follower of Jesus did so on their own. Jesus himself, he modeled this, uh, this togetherness even though he had absolutely no need in it. I mean, he's God, so he doesn't have that need in his DNA like I do and like Harley does and like anybody who's watching us or listening to us right now does, and yet he still modeled that togetherness as an example. I mean, Jesus lived out this perfect obedience for 30-plus years in the company of friends and in deep relationships. You think about, of course, his, his relationships with his disciples, the 12. That's kind of the one we think about. But actually, not just those relationships. I mean, Jesus had deep, deep intimate relationships with three other individuals, specifically a man by the name of Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha. Their relationship was that of we might call the best of friends. I mean, he had those relationships. He modeled those, those relationships. Jesus included all of those individuals, those relationships. He invited them into his personal moments of his life. Uh, he allowed them in, even though he knew that every one of those individuals, on some level at some point, was, were going to hurt him. I mean, you think about it. It was a, one of his closest companions who betrayed him, Jesus or Judas. I have a hard time Judas. getting Judas and Jesus sometimes, <laughs> and that's kind of ironic, I think. But anyway, it was Judas, a close friend, who betrayed him. Um, there were many times in Jesus' ministry where he was being bullied and, and kind of ridiculed and mocked, and his closest friends really didn't do anything about it. They just kind of were like, eh, we're not going to get involved. Um, his closest friends actually watch him and allow him to be physically abused, to be beaten, and eventually killed. We know that they were within eyeshot, maybe even earshot, of, of, of all of these events that he experienced, and yet they let it happen. When Jesus needed them the most in the garden, right before he's about to go through this the passion that some people call the passion of the of Christ, he needs them more than ever, and they're asleep. They're out. They're, they're they're not worried about him. When he was arrested, they cut tail and ran. They were gone. They scattered when he was arrested. Jesus truly was a friend of sinners, and he has the scars to prove it. That's right. And so he sets that example for us that. We are called to follow Jesus, not in isolation. Jesus valued friendship, and that means we have to value it too. Friendship is God's design. He created it, and he values it. But what cost is involved to God in order for him to value friendship? It is a great cost. Our friendship was with God specifically was very expensive to God. 
And because it was so expensive, and by expensive, I mean exactly what Cole just now was talking about, that he bought the possibility of friendship, making us friends with God. He purchased that by him dying on the cross for the sins of the entire world. And three days later, he walked out of the tomb. That death was horrific. That death for us was unimaginable in the amount of torture that Jesus suffered. That was the expensive gift that he purchased for us to be able to make us friends with God. And because of that enormous cost that God paid for our friendship to make that possible, our friendship with God, there is a catch. There's a catch. Jesus is not content with being one friend among many friends in our lives. Here's the catch. Listen to this. Luke chapter 14. These are the words of Christ. If anyone comes to me, this is Jesus speaking, and does not hate his own father and mother, you, we could put in there friend, uh, sibling, sisters. We're going to get to that in a moment. But here's, this is what he's saying. It includes all these relationships. He used the word hate. Now, let's break down what that means. Here it is. Does not hate his own father and mother in the sense of indifference or relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude, we could call that love, for God. Hmm. And he says, and likewise, his wife, his children, his brothers, his sisters. In other words, he's saying every relationship in your life. And then he includes, and even, his own life also. If he doesn't do this, Jesus says, he cannot be my disciple. Yeah, and that's honestly, to me, this is just my perspective. Luke 14, 26 is the most difficult verse in the entire New Testament to wrap my head around. Yes. It's, it's the hardest one. Cole, it was tough for me as a, yeah. te- as a child and a teenager when I, well, not maybe a later teenager when I hated my parents, but, <laughs> you know, it, it was tough as a child yeah, for me to think, what, 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 before my parents? Because you, you see the word hate. And, and then man, you as a parent. Right, and then, right. That's when I'm a really, parent, too. As a parent, that, that's when it, but that word hate, another, to me, a really good phrase, it just kind of, that word hate kind of insinuates to put aside, you know, mm-hmm. to, uh, uh, to put aside in, and then put me in place of, yes. and I'll choose me. Before. That's just difficult for me to wrap my head around yeah. at times. But it says what it says. Um, Jesus demands to be our friend in first place, number one. Not number two, not number two, one, you know, two and a half, not one and a half, one. He, do, he doesn't just demand it. I mean, really, if we think about it, and if we're honest, he deserves it to be ultimately and clearly above all others. And that's the reason we're talking friendships, but it's really relationships, all relationships. 2 Corinthians 11.3, this is what Paul said to, to this church in Corinth. He says, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted. Jesus demands that we worship him, and that's it. Not also our other relationships that we have in our life, whether it be a friendship or a parent to child or a, a parent to, to, to parent, you know, siblings, whatever. He actually demands that relationship to be second to the relationship that we have with him. Because Jesus alone says, I've got to be number one. And if I'm not, it's 
Well, the word that he uses is idolatry. It's, a, it's idol worship if you're putting anything or anybody in front of me. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and verse 8. This is also Paul speaking. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. I mean, yeah. That's really clear. That's pretty clear. So God is speaking to us clearly. And so let's think about this whole friendship thing for a moment. God will not put up with sharing first place in our lives. And we're talking about how we are how we feel special, a special connection with a best friend. And we're asking Jesus to share that first place. He's not going to share that place. For the Christ follower, it is either God first and God alone, or it's not at all. He won't settle for second. Jesus won't settle for sharing that first place in our hearts. You know, and... (laughs) Again, this is this is difficult, and I, I'm certainly not saying that I've got this thing all wrapped right. up. I mean, this is this is tough. I mean, because this isn't a new problem. This isn't something that has just all of a sudden become an issue in the 21st century. This is something that apparently was so important that Jesus talked about it quite a bit, and then Paul kind of mirrored what Jesus said in a lot of his letters that he wrote after his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. So this isn't a new problem. This isn't just something that we are just now experiencing. This side of heaven, all of us, we're going to struggle with it. We're going to struggle with good things becoming our ultimate focus. I mean, look, having a good relationship, having a best friend that you can count on is a good thing. We're not saying that's a great thing. Having a good relationship with a child is a great thing. Having a good relationship with a spouse is a good thing. We're not saying they're not good, but we're going to struggle with good things becoming our ultimate focus. We're going to struggle with good things slowly if we let them, pushing God out of that number one first place in our lives. And, And that's really what it boils down to. In fact, the more good that something is, the tendency for most of us is the more good that it is, the more we're going to pursue it. Yeah. I mean, the more we're going to go after it, whether it be a relationship, a job, whatever. The more good it can give us, the more we're going to pursue it, the closer we're going to get to it, the more involved we're going to find ourselves in that relationship, and the more we're going to think over time slowly as it becomes toxic, we think that relationship, that friendship, that fill-in-the-blank can feel this need that I have. As soon as a relationship or a friendship begins to develop dependence upon one another and loyalty to one another over Jesus himself, that relationship, that friendship has begun to be toxic. And it's become idolatry. Yeah, in that moment. So we're saying that friendship is a wonderful gift from God. As long as we enjoy it God's way. 
And that is when a relationship encourages and promotes and preserves ultimate devotion to our one truest friend and all other relationships, that being God, and all of our other relationships then come second. So what's the answer? Is the answer for us to kind of push people away and push back from people so that doesn't happen? No, uh, we don't believe that's the answer. The answer is that we must continually work to keep our friendships in the right order. Keeping Jesus in that first place, our first loyalty to him, the one we are actually dependent upon, him. That keeps us from using friendships to meet needs, honestly, that only Jesus was, has designed himself to meet. Self-test. Yeah. I mean, this is a great topic for, for kind of that self-test. And, and here's, and just, you don't have to audibly yeah, answer, please don't. obviously, please don't. <laughs> but in, in your mind, this is a great, uh, several good self-tests that we can go through when we're talking about this topic. When... When you're in need, when I am in need, when, you know, when life comes at you hard. What commercial is that? Is that Snickers? What is that? There's a commercial, when life comes at you hard. Do I'm not Snickers? sure. Is we don't it? have regular TV. We're, oh. If it's not on Netflix, yeah. I don't Man, see it. When life comes at you hard, right, and, and it gets pretty serious, when we're in need, if my first reaction above all else is to reach out to anyone, my wife, my parents, my friend, whatever that may be. If my reaction is to reach out to that relationship before I reach out to Jesus, that relationship, it's toxic. And it has become an idol because it is now in first place. Right. Here's another self-test. Cole said we have several. Here's the next. If our friend that we're talking about has become our connection to God. In other words, we just don't feel like we can get close to God without them. Then that friend has become a mediator between us and, and God. And by God's design, only Jesus can be that mediator. Just read the book of Hebrews. Only Jesus can do that. And so if that's the case, then that friendship has slowly become toxic and therefore it has become an idol. If we feel like um, we're you know, completely unable to make decisions without having direction from that friend or from that uh, parent or from that spouse, if we cannot make a decision without first going to that relationship for input, Kind of got the wrong shepherd. Right. Um, you know, Jesus is, if, if we're following him, if we are a self-professed follower of Jesus, then Jesus is supposed to be the shepherd. And that friendship, again, it's become toxic and it has become an idol. Now, we're not saying in any way, shape, form, or fashion that we should not uh, seek, you know, and need mentors and counsel. We are not saying not to seek wise counsel. The New Covenant talks about that. Absolutely. Yep. What we're saying is that they should all point to and cultivate a dependence on Christ and not instead, instead on that relationship itself. Yeah. You know, sometimes if we are that one who is the mentor, mm -hmm. um, it feels real good to be needed 
kind of that God complex. Yeah, thing. and so we might want that. But if that mentor is not pushing you to be dependent, as Cole said on Christ, that's sticky, sticky, sticky. It's becoming toxic. So here's another self-test. If we have the feeling um, that I, I just can't make it without them, I don't know, you know what I would do without them. I can't live without them. We're talking with them daily is there's no problem with talking daily, but if that is your lifeline, when by God's design only Jesus is our true satisfaction, and only Jesus is our source, our, as he says, living water. But if that friend has become that living water, that source for us, then that friendship has slowly become toxic, and we now have an idol. If I require that person's approval just to feel okay, I mean... Well, that's a big struggle that's for me. That's a struggle for, and, and right now especially, we talked about it this mm-hmm. past week, there, yeah. the, the mental health and, 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 and just kind of this season that we're in and how, man, that, that could be easy to do if we require approval from that friendship, from that relationship, just to feel okay about ourselves. Um, if we're constantly worried about how that friend sees us or what they think about us or how they feel about us, oh, that friend talked to the wrong person. You know, they, t- they, they called them before they called me or, you know, right. whatever that may, may look like, then that friendship, it's becoming, it's in the process of becoming toxic because it is now in first position where Jesus is supposed to be. So by definition, it's an idol. Um, only Jesus is supposed to do the judging anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really should think, and, and it's easy to say this, it's much different to actually do it, but we should think about how Jesus sees us as opposed to that, that relationship. Right. Uh, this last one, here's a, it's a real simple way to see if a friend of ours has become an idol instead and, and, and we have kind of replaced Jesus with them. Here's an easy one. How often do you talk about them versus how often we talk about Jesus? And we're clearly told again by Paul in 1 Corinthians, he says, Scripture says that if we want to boast... Boast only in the Lord. You see, I think the reality is that the person we talk about the most has first place in our lives probably. Because the Bible also talks about how out of the heart, our mouth is going to speak. Yeah, this, and we know this is not a popular topic. No. Uh, like we said in the beginning, there's probably going to be some tension uh, with, with not just this morning, but this entire series. This, it's not popular to call good friendships, good relationships toxic. It's not popular to even go so far as to call them idolatrous relationships. That's not a popular statement to make because this is what's considered normal. In in this culture that we live in, in 21st century Christianity, especially Americanized 21st century Christianity, what we're talking about is normal, it is good, it is, man, this is a healthy relationship from the world's perspective. This is what we're talking about, this is how you define a best friend. It feels right, doesn't it? I mean, it feels good. This is what we expect out of that best friend relationship. But we live in a world where, you know, we've rejected the existence even of sin. We, we've rejected the existence 
of anything being missing God's mark and, and being against what God has taught. And so the idea that things that the idea that the things that we do and the things that we prefer and the things that we're seeking after and pursuing and that make us feel really good, they could actually inherently be wrong. That's appalling to most of the world. And again, there's a lot of tension there. Yeah. Yeah. But again, the problem is sin exists. It's here. Whether we want to admit it or whether we want to uh, acknowledge it or not, sin exists. It, it's here. And even in what the world would call a really good friendship, a really good relationship, a great, man, that's a husband and wife. They got it together. Man, that's a great spousal relationship. Even that great spousal relationship, from the world's perspective, it can be toxic. If that relationship is first instead of second. And even what the world calls good friendships, rejecting the existence of sin, even in something that feels really good, it doesn't spare us the consequences right. from that sin. You know, it, I drive by every time I come to Stuttgart, I, I drive by this one house where the, the, the roof was decimated in the, that storm we had months and months and months ago. Um, and it was at Easter weekend? Yeah, it was. So it, it, it has been a long time, and they threw some tarps on it. But just think about this. If our house had devastating uh, damage, and we walk in, there's water on the floor, we could pick up a towel, and we could say, oh my goodness, somebody spilled water. Uh, which one of you kids did it? I know one of you did it. <laughs> Go clean up all the, we clean up all Rachel. the water. <laughs> we wipe it all up. We get it cleaned up. We wipe up all the water, and then after the next rain, who spilled water again? Rachel. <laughs> we go clean it all up. We get the towels out. We could continue to say, oh, there's water. Let's deal with the water that's on the floor. But eventually, we're going to need to fix it, right? I mean, and if we're going to fix it, we're going to have to tear the roof off. It's very possible after some time, we're going to have to start gutting parts of the house because of the damage, and we're going to have to rebuild. You can't just put a roof on until you have the structure there for it, so we're going to have to kind of rebuild those sections from those rooms up, rebuilding from the inside out. And who wants to deal with that when it's a lot easier just to go wipe up the water, right? You see, truth can be uncomfortable. This is uncomfortable for Cole and I to talk about this because we're evaluating our own lives as well. You know, our sinful hearts, mine, Harley's sinful heart, is what turns my good friendships and relationships into idols. And if I don't fix it now, if you don't join me and fix things now in those relationships, then that toxic damage, if we do it now, that toxic damage is limited. It's not going to get more damage if we begin fixing that now. So it will be easier to fix. But if we choose to ignore it, there's more damage happening, more damage through that roof, the leak, inside the house, on the decking, under inside. It's just more and more damage. Damage is taking place. And if that's the case, if we, we choose to ignore it instead of addressing what needs to happen, 
then here's what happens. Eventually, we may just have to condemn that house. We may have to call in the bulldozers or get the track hose and just crush the house and bury it and start all over from the very beginning. You see, if, if our friendship begins to replace Jesus in our lives at that moment, whether I want to admit it or not, in that moment, it is... It has become toxic. It has become an idol, even with what I would consider my best of relationships and friendships. So what does that have to do with me? What does that have to do with us, you know, today as we're kind of bringing this thing in for a landing? Right. I told you guys, uh, I guess last Sunday, you know, the day that I made the decision to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I don't know what it all means. I don't know what the road ahead looks like, but I'm going, I'm put, I'm with him. Mm -hmm. That was from me, August 23rd, 1998. But our need for a savior, it's not a one-time event. Really? Yeah. It's not a one-time event. It's not a, for me, August 23rd, 1998 event. You know, that was the moment you chose to connect your life with Jesus. The moment that I said, I'm going to change directions. Yeah. I'm going to go from walking my way the way I want to walk, and I'm going to go that direction. But it didn't, as you just said, it didn't end there. No, it doesn't end there. It didn't end there, and it's still not ending right. there. It's not a one-time yeah. event. Every time we find ourselves drowning in life, and the last five months can really Ooh. attest to that for many people. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people. They're struggling. They're really struggling. Harley and I, we yes. talked about it last week. We're both struggling on a personal level, on a personal level ourselves. Yeah. Anytime we find ourselves drowning in life, August 23rd, 1998, for me is not enough. I still need a Savior. Yes. I still need that. But, again, in our Americanized version of Christianity, our friendships, our relationships, our spousal relationship, our, our relationship with our adult children, with our siblings, you name it, they can feel so much better. Yeah. They can feel so much more dependable than that relationship with Jesus. Because that relationship with Jesus, let's face it, he's not here. I can't call him wherever my phone is. I can't call him. I can't text him. I can't drive across town and walk in the door and sit down and say, I just got to talk to somebody. I can't do that. There's a logistical aspect of I just can't do it. And so... Our friendships, our relationships tend to get that first place in our life because, let's face it, we can go to them. We can talk to them. So this week, how does this all affect us today as we land it? This week, I would encourage you, I would encourage all of us, take some steps together. Let's talk to, let's talk to God. Let's talk to Jesus. Let's ask, is there anyone that I run to before I run to Jesus? And again, probably right now, and you're feeling some tension, and that's okay, Probably right now you have already thought of that person. It, you've probably been thinking of that person all morning long. Yeah. Is there anyone that I run to before I run to Jesus? Because I'm asking the very same question of myself that I'm encouraging, we're encouraging yeah. everyone to ask. I'm going to ask it too. That is a great question. And we're asking you this week, after you ask that question, have that conversation with Jesus, it may be ongoing, but as you come to a realization about that between you and Jesus and what's happening in that friendship, we're going to ask you to kind of flip the script. This week, would you begin 
thinking, even if you have to write it down, even if you have to set an alarm on your phone, would you begin thinking, I need to give Jesus the first of my time. When I wake up in the morning, I I don't need to check Facebook first and see if I've got any messages. I don't need to see who has liked my post. I don't need to see who has commented. I, I, I don't I, need to see if Kansas actually got beat by Coastal <laughs> Carolina last night because that's what I did. Well, I mean, I, I had no idea they were playing. So well, I was just saying, that's yes, me. Yes. You know, that's my connection. Right. I, but, they you know, did, by the way. They did, by the way. Um, so maybe it's just saying, okay, before I check my text and before I, I check my email, I need to give Jesus the first of my time this week. And we might have to set some alarms to remind us. And by the way, if you jump back, that's what the whole 60-60 thing's about. You might check that out. And then let's do this maybe this week. In relation to the amount of time we're spending with other people, and granted with COVID, that is less than what it has been. Let's think about this. Let me spend more time with Jesus. Quality time. Not just time. More quality time with Jesus. And here's the third part of that. Let's give Jesus the best of ourselves and not maybe the leftovers. And let's think about that, not just with ourselves now. Now let's also extrapolate that out a little broader. Let's apply that to our friendship as well. Let's put Jesus in the best place between and with that friend. Let's have Jesus first there too. All right, I hope you'll join us in that. But right now, will you join me? as we talk to our Heavenly Father again. Jesus, you told us that if anyone comes to you and that, and that we don't evaluate, we don't, we don't look and we don't make sure that you are in the primary place and that everything else falls under you, you said, Jesus, we can't be your disciple. Jesus, those are heavy words. Would you help us begin to understand that more this week as we talk with you? Because we want to get to the place where Paul was, where he said everything else. I I used to value those things more than you, God, but now everything else compared to you and the cost that you paid for my freedom and my life by paying for my sins, Jesus, that cost When I look at you, Jesus, nothing else compares. Nothing else compares. And so it is in your name, Jesus, our Savior, that we pray these things. And now we sing this song of worship to you, Jesus. Amen.